Kep and Debbie James uh, were missionaries with SIM in La Paz for 35-ish, 35 years. Uh, and, and while they were there, one of the ministries that they began was uh, a pastor training ministry, Equipping Servants International. And just recently, they've, they've pivoted their attention, they've relocated to the Cleveland area, and they're focusing entirely on that ministry where they go to countries around the world working with pastors, training pastors, discipling pastors, so that those pastors can then in turn equip their congregations well. And we've taken advantage of the fact that, that Kep is in our area, at least some of the time, and invited him to come and address us this morning. So we're excited. Will you join me in welcoming Kep James as he delivers the word to us? Well, I have to say it is a, a great joy for uh, Debbie and me to be here with you this morning. We thank God for Global Church. Um, you have been an encouragement. You've been a help to us, uh, a tremendous help uh, as we provide uh, uh, book sets for pastors and then train them over three years uh, to think biblically and to live biblically and to experience the transformation of the gospel and be able to preach and teach the word of God faithfully in their churches and in their areas. Um, we value your prayer. This uh, Saturday, we leave for Niger in West Africa. Uh, we're going to be there two weeks uh, teaching church planting young people um, the, the book of Romans and uh, helping them again to, to become a, a committed followers of, of the students of the Bible so that they can go into very difficult areas. They have a three-year commitment to go and to plant churches in small teams throughout the whole uh, North African, West African area in some Muslim countries. And uh, it's a very difficult ministry that they are going into. So we value your prayer that God would, would protect them, would use them. Will cause the work to go forward uh, powerfully through the lives of these young people. Then we'll be in Lebanon after that for another two weeks, and then we'll be back short, briefly, and then to uh, to East Africa to start equipping servants in um, in uh, let's see, we'll be in Rwanda in two places in Rwanda. Then we'll be in Burundi. Uh, I had to look on the map to figure out to find out where Burundi even was, <laughs> and then um, and then back to Kenya to start um, to follow up on the groups that started about two weeks ago uh, in Nairobi and Mombasa. So, value your prayer for um, for that. And uh, I, I'd like to uh, ask you to open your Bibles to Acts chapter one, and I'm going to ask God to guide us in our study of His Word uh, this morning. What a privilege a Privilege it is to, to have Bibles, <laughs> to come together, not to hear what a person has to say, but what you, the living God, have, have to say and um, in the pages of your book. And as we do this, Lord, this morning, please take us to Jesus. Give us, give us your eyes to see Jesus in, in the pages of your book. Uh, give us uh, your heart of compassion for the world that you love and transform us by the power of the gospel. And we ask this in Jesus' strong name. Amen. So when uh, Pastor Andrew uh, speak on uh, this morning, Mission Sunday, um, on the topic of, um, of, of missions, um, my, my heart and my mind went immediately to Acts chapter 1. And that's the passage I decided to, 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 to teach on this morning. Acts chapter 1, verses uh, 6 through 11. So as you um, open your Bible to that passage, I, I'd, like to, I'd like to ask you an important question. Important question. What, what do you think motivates Christians to do their best or give their best to Jesus? 
And obviously, we could answer that, that question from a whole a bunch of different levels. But, but if, if you think about the heart, the heart of motivation, what motivates us to give our best and, 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 and do our best um, in, in anything, it always has to do with what we love the most, is it, is it not? Um, Jesus said, where your heart is, where your treasure is, there where your, your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be awesome. With the heart treasures as, as most valuable, as most precious, as, 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 as what we most desire, is what we love, in the end is, is what is going to be our, our ultimately our deepest motivation. So, so that, I'm going to suggest this morning, is, is what you and I, we, we need to identify and, and ask God to transform in us so that we can be effective instruments in his hands. And I say that as much for me as I say that for you. I, just saying that uh, takes my memory back to 1975 uh, when I entered Wheaton College as a freshman. I, I believed at that point God was calling me into missions. I was pretty clear about that. And it seemed logical to me that it would make sense to go as a single person. Uh, for a whole bunch of different reasons I'm not going to take time this morning to go into, but even to the point that a lot of my friends thought I was probably the most likely candidate to be um, uh, a person who would go and, and never get married. That, that was kind of what the impression was that, that, that they had at that time. And now, that changed very dramatically my senior year when I met Debbie from Rochester, New York. <laughs> I, I experienced a growing desire to spend time with her. I, I couldn't stop talking about her. I, I wanted my friends to, to know about her. I, I wanted, I, I couldn't imagine doing life and, and going to the mission field without, without Debbie. My, my love for her changed me at the very deepest level. So what love does. Now, I, I like to apply this, 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 this truth at, at, the, at the level of our relationship with God. C.S. Lewis said that a, person, a person's spiritual health is directly proportional to their love for God. A, a, per, a person's spiritual health is directly proportional to their love for God. What Lewis is saying is that if, if we love Jesus, it, it'll be obvious in, in the way we think and the way we speak and the way we act. If we love God, if we really love God, the, the, the deepest longing of our heart will be to spend time with him. To, um, to tell people about him, uh, to tell people how wonderful he is, and, 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 and to do what pleases him. Uh, so, so this is the question that I have for me and for you. Does, does our love for Jesus impact how we spend our time and what we do and what we consider most important? Does, does your love for Jesus make you look like Jesus? Do people see Jesus in you in what you talk about around the dinner table? And how you treat people at the office and in school and where you go and where you spend your money. The central theme of the Bible is that God loves the world. He, he loves us so much. He sent Jesus on, a, on a, a spiritual rescue mission so that individuals from every nation, tribe, people, and language, it says in Revelation, would have a saving knowledge of God, would follow God, would love God. Would, would have our lives transformed by the power of the gospel so that one day we would uh, be able to worship around his throne as members of his family. And Jesus loves us so much that, that when he saves us, he, he actually calls us to be with him. He, he wants us to be 
task we've been talking about this morning of, of, of reaching the world with his message of the gospel. And, and, and this is the, the, what the, the message that Jesus communicates in Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 11. So, so let's, let's um, read, uh, like, like, listen how, how Jesus expresses this truth to his disciples. Acts 1, verses 6 through 11. It says that when the disciples had come together, they asked Jesus. <laughs> the context here is that Jesus has uh, spent 40 days with his disciples, teaching them about the kingdom of God. So they came together and they said, Jesus, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom that he's been talking about, the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but... You will, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And when they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood beside them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So, so in these verses, Jesus identifies his followers as his witnesses, and he tells us what we need to do in order to be faithful, faithful witnesses. Um, so if, if the proof of our love for God is a sincere desire to honor him, to reflect him, to do his will, um, and, and to do that faithfully, then, then listen to what Jesus says a faithful witness says. It, and and um, I, we noted that in the, your bulletin, the back side of the bulletin, you can see the, the outline. A faithful witness is, is someone, Jesus is saying, who, who thinks like Jesus and who relies on the help that Jesus provides and who stays true to Jesus' plan. So God, God has given us one precious life to offer in the service of, of Jesus, or the king that we've been singing about. And, and the question for me and for each one of us is, how will we invest our, that precious life that God has given us? Will we be faithful witnesses who, who think like Jesus? If, if you were to ask the, the average churchgoer, I think, you know, why the church exists or, or what God's purpose is for Christians, what, what, do, you, what do you think they'd say? I, I, I talk to some people who, who say that God wants us to be good Christians and so we can make the world a better place. And, and there's no doubt that, that God does love goodness. And he wants the world to be a better place. That when Christians live as salt and light and for Christ, uh, we will definitely influence the world for good. And that's a good thing. But, but God has something, something more fundamental in, in, in mind for us. Goodness is, a, is, a, is an important byproduct or fruit of his purpose for us as Christians and the church. His main objective is spiritual rescue. Jesus did not come primarily to improve the quality of our circumstances, but rather to bear sin's punishment and to, to, and, to, and to bring sinners to himself, to transform us so that we would glorify God in a world that, uh, that, that we're impacting people for the, with the gospel and for good. Um, in, in Acts 1-3, I mentioned, Luke tells us after the resurrection, Jesus had just spent 40 days, 40 days, with his disciples before returning to heaven, to heaven, teaching them about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is Jesus' priority. His, his, the, his kingdom is his rule, his, his reign in the lives of men and women whom he, he rescues and brings into God's family. And, and we come into this kingdom as a result of, of God's saving grace. 
um, forgiving our sins and reconciling us to God and adopting us into his family. Um, in, in the gospel, we see throughout the gospel, throughout Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that God, the kingdom of God is Jesus' focus, clearly. He came to honor his father, to do his father's will by rescuing people from sin's destruction and to transform us into useful members of his family here on this earth and then to spend eternity with him in heaven. So, so this brings us to, to verse six. Luke says, when the disciples had come together, they asked Jesus, Lord, will you at this time restore what you're planning on doing? You know, the, this kingdom, are you gonna restore it uh, to Israel? And when, when we read this, it's, it's pretty clear that there's a problem. Jesus had just spent 40 days explaining the kingdom of God to his disciples. So after 40 days, you'd imagine that, 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 that the intense training would have uh, gotten into their hearts and minds and, and, their, and who they were. And, and you'd think that they'd have clarity about what Jesus' priority was. They, they should be thinking like Jesus. But when we, when we read the question, we, we can see pretty clearly they don't get it. They don't get what Jesus is about. John Calvin made the observation that there are as many errors in this question as there are words. <laughs> um, they, they say, the Lord, is it at, at this time, at this time that, that you're going to do this? They, they expect something immediate. They, they don't get that the gospel is intended to spread gradually through relationships. You know, starting in, in locally in Jerusalem and then expanding um, regionally through Judea and Samaria and then, and then globally to, to, to all the earth. Um, they're also confused about the kind of kingdom that Jesus is building. They say, Lord, are you going to restore? Are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And, and this term restore shows that they expect a political solution, uh, thinking that, that Israel will gain its, its independent uh, nation status by the power of Jesus, bringing about some kind of a, a re revolution. Um, clearly not what Jesus had in mind during his 33 years on earth. Uh, no, the, the, Jesus, the Lamb of God, came to, to take away the sins of the earth, the world, uh, to rescue people spiritually. And, and then they're also confused about the scope of the kingdom of God. They say, Lord, are you at this, at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? God is not about one specific group of people or nation. His heart of rescue extends to everyone everywhere. Uh, throughout redemptive history, God makes it clear that his scope is the world. Um, think of Habakkuk when he says, you know, that, that, that for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the, as the waters cover the sea. So in verse 7, Jesus corrects this mis misunderstanding. He says, it is not for you to know times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. And, and, and I think this is such an important warning for us in 2023, for me, for the church in America to take note how easily it is for me and for us to get distracted from the main thing. It is our constant temptation to get entangled in concerns that are not the main thing, that are not the main focus, that are not Jesus' priority. We need to take to be careful how much energy and attention we give to what is not Jesus' priority. So, so think about, about your, yourself in relation. Do you see ways in which your love for Jesus is impacting 
your priorities and the way you spend your, your time and what you talk about with your friends around the, the as I mentioned earlier, the dinner table. What an important thing is the, the dinner table to people to talk about what's, what's important with our children. Does, does what you and I believe about God impact who we are and what we do? And I think one simple way to answer that question may be to ask ourselves, in the past seven days, who have I spoken with specifically about the gospel? Who have I spoken with about Jesus? It's surprising to me how few Christians are actually doing this. I think the reason that we're not involved and maybe why we're so bad at impacting our generation for the gospel um, is, is maybe because like the disciples, we're not thinking like Jesus. Could it be that, that we need to repent and ask God to change our heart and help us to really love God genuinely, sincerely, to think like him, to be his faithful witness? Um, a few years back, one of my Bolivian co-workers, uh, Andrew mentioned that we've been in Bolivia 35 years. We just came back in October. Um, one of my Bolivian co-workers, um, about halfway through that time, uh, impacted the way that I, I think about this. Um, Pastor Edgar had, had come to see his neighbors in a, in a different light. Um, he said, I, he said, he said, kept, he said I, I might be the only real Christian that they will ever know. It's very possible. And if I don't tell them about Jesus, who will? And he said, I think that God placed me in this apartment complex. I think God placed me in this neighborhood to tell them about Jesus. They are my responsibility. And after he said that, I thought, you know what? Lord, help me to make that my daily prayer. That, that wherever I am, help me, to, help me to think about my neighbors and the way that you think about them and take responsibility to see that they're my responsibility. There's, there's, a, there's, there's a great challenge in this to be intentional about talking to people about Jesus, both locally and globally. We need to pray for each other, that God would give us courage and boldness and compassion to see people like Jesus sees them. I need your prayer for that. I need your prayer when I get on the airplane on Saturday morning at six in the morning to fly to Chicago and then from there to Addis and then from there to Niamey, Niger. I need your prayer that I would have the courage and the boldness and the compassion to talk to the person next to me on the plane. And you need my, and my prayer for your courage too. Every Christian has been given the responsibility to go and tell. It might be across the ocean, it might be across the street, but every Christian has been given the privilege to know, to love Jesus, and to experience his love that transforms us at the very deepest level of our life. To be faithful witnesses who think biblically and have Jesus' sense a priority of urgency and concern that no one that no one would, would live or die without having the opportunity to hear the good news about Jesus. That no one would live or die would have the, without having the opportunity to hear the good news of Jesus. We are Jesus' witnesses. And faithful witnesses first think like Jesus. Also, a faithful witness relies on the help that, that, that God supplies. Look, at, look here at verse 8. Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Wow. Here, Jesus promises us his help. We, we need his help for two reasons. One, because sinners don't naturally see their need for a sinner. 
It's not a natural thing. It's a supernatural gift that God gives. And secondly, because believers don't naturally share our faith with others. It's not natural to us. We need God's supernatural power to overcome these two obstacles. I'm sure you've heard that the word power that Jesus uses here is dunamis, from which we get our word dynamite. The point is that Jesus uses his mighty, explosive power to take what we say and to convince people. He takes our gospel proclamation and he uses it to show people, to convince people of their sin and draw them to the Savior. I, I think about a, a friend that I was uh, talking with uh, a couple years ago and, and uh, studying the Bible. He came into our church uh, and an older, an older gentleman, I, I asked him the question that, that I, you know, a lot of times will ask. I said, you know, tell me, um, yeah, if you were to stand before God uh, right now, uh, before the, you know, the presence of, of God, these are two great questions. What, you know, do you, do you have absolute certainty that you'd go to heaven? He said, oh, yes, I do. And I said, well, tell me on the basis of what? Why, why do you have this? Or what would you say to Jesus if you were to say, why should I let you into my heaven? And he said, well, because, um, because I got baptized in the Jordan River. And because I treat my wife really well. And I said, you know what? I'm so glad we had this conversation because if you said that to Jesus today and, and he would say, you can't come into my heaven, that's not the basis. That's not the reason that I'll allow anyone to come into heaven. And so we spent several weeks talking, going, studying through. I asked him if I could go to his house and we could study through the book of John. So we studied through and he came to understand that it wasn't on the basis of what he, he had done for God. It was on the basis of what Jesus had done for him that he could go into heaven and trusting in what Jesus had done. And you know, it, 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 there's just that, that time when, when, when the light comes on and, and, and he, he just, he understood, he saw it, what he wasn't able to see before. Why could he see that? Was it because he was so good? But was it because he was so intelligent? No, it was because, because the Holy Spirit was working powerfully in his heart and in his mind through the study of the Bible to show him his sin and his need for Jesus. And that's the help that Jesus gives us. He, he takes our gospel proclamation and he powerfully uses it to break down resistance and darkness. He uses the Bible. He uses the Bible, the light of scripture, to bring people to the Savior. I repeat, the, the power that, that God uses to convince and convert is the very message itself. Paul says in Romans 1.16 that the power of God is, is in the message. He says the gospel is the power of God. For salvation to everyone who believes. In 1 Corinthians 1, Paul says the same thing. It pleased God through the message of the cross, which the world considers folly and weakness, to save those who believe. And that's why Paul announced Christ. Christ crucified. And this is the message that built the church in the, in the early, in the New Testament. And so if you and I desire to see gospel results, we, we need to use gospel resources. So next time you and I talk with someone about Jesus... Let, let's, let's open the Bible and, and read the Bible with them and, and show them the verses of what it says about God's grace in Christ and about forgiveness uh, of, of human sin and about Christ dying on the cross um, to bear sin's punishment. Let, let's, let's, let's read the Bible with them, with our unbelieving friends. Let's use God's resource, his mighty, powerful resource that he's provided because faith comes by hearing, hearing and hearing by the word of God. So... But there's a cost in this. So some people will reject what we say. Some people will reject us. 
Uh, my friend Rico Tice from All Souls Church in London talks about crossing the pain line. I like the way he says that. The pain line. There's a pain line. If, if we're going to communicate the gospel, we're going to have to talk about things that are uncomfortable. We're going to have to cross that line where we're not just talking about the weather or about sports. We're going to have to get down to talk about some things that are uncomfortable like sin and like the blood of Christ and like the need for repentance. And, and Jesus is the only way. And when... And we see that the, the cost involved in, in what we're called to do as witnesses in the very word witness that, that Jesus uses. It's martyrs, from which we get our word martyr. A martyr is, is, is a person who is willing to give up his or her life for the truth that they sustain, pointing people to the only one who saves. So I, when I think about this, I, I'm just amazed that God in his grace would choose to invite us to be involved in his supremely important task of reaching the world for Christ. He wants us to be with him in this great work. And that just amazes me. It astounds me. Because I know my own fear. I know my own temptation to remain silent because I desire the praise of people. But God is so forgiving and he does help us. He's so forgiving. And he does help us to make us his faithful witnesses. And that's what he promises. That's why we need his help every day. The help of his mighty power. Think about how this worked on the day of Pentecost. Someone prayed about that a few minutes ago. The day of Pentecost in Acts 2, God does this amazing supernatural thing. And, and people are around and they, well, what, what just happened? What is this? And they, they want a, an explanation. So Peter stands up in front of them and he speaks up and he, and he says... He tells them what happened. He answers their question. He explains that what they're seeing is the work of the risen Christ whom they had crucified. And that day, the Holy Spirit took Peter's proclamation of the gospel and 3,000 people came into God's family by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the power of God at work through the proclamation of his gospel. Convincing people of their sin, convincing people of their need for the Savior. And that is the power that the Holy Spirit uses to help us as believers to overcome our fears that would otherwise render us silent. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. That's, that's God's promise to us, to fill our heart with the love of God, to show us how great and wonderful the Savior is, and, and to give us a sincere desire to, to make Jesus known as our priority. He helps us see the people in the same way that he sees them, that they're sheep without a shepherd. He, he increases our compassion and our desire, our boldness, that people would know Christ and, and believe him and love him and worship him. And he helps us powerfully, powerfully by, by convincing us that the only way men and women will be saved and spend eternity with God is through the death of, of Jesus applied to their lives. And, and all this is what the Holy Spirit does powerfully. He works powerfully uh, in us and through us. And that's why early Christians were so compelling to the Roman world around them. The Holy Spirit filled them with such a love and a wonder of Christ. They, they, they just couldn't stop talking about him. They wanted everyone everywhere to know the wonderful Savior who, who had given his life to rescue them. And when they saw people, they would say, can, can I tell you the greatest news ever? God loves you. Yeah. Son to save you. He rescued me. My life was broken in sin, but, but, but Jesus put it back together in a way that, that I just can't even imagine, but it's completely new. And he can do the same thing for you. 
His death gives, gives forgiveness and reconciliation with God and new life. Early Christians were so transformed by this love of Christ, they couldn't stop talking about him. They were faithful witnesses who thought like Jesus, and they relied on his help, and, and they also stayed true to his plan. Look at verse 9. Verse 9, Luke records, After Jesus said these things, he was taken up before their eyes, and a cloud hid them from their sight. And they were looking intently into the sky as he was going. Just imagine, use, use the, the, the imagination, the picture, the, 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 the ability of your mind to imagine this for a minute. That you're standing there with the disciples, looking at Jesus, going up into the clouds. And two angels appear and say, Men of Galilee, what are you doing? Why are you standing there looking into the sky? The same Jesus who was taken dead from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you've seen him go into heaven. Jesus had been so clear in his instruction. Take the whole gospel to the whole world so people can know the great Savior. But the disciples needed to be reminded of the urgency of their task. They needed the reminder to get moving just like I need that reminder. Just like you need that reminder. We, we, need, we need to be faithful witnesses, motivated by the love of Jesus. We need to apply our minds to think like him. And we need to apply our hearts to rely on his help. And we need to apply our will to stay true to his task. We see the same earnestness in Paul all the way through, um, through the New Testament. He was committed to do the will of the one who loved him and finish his task. Um, I think of Romans 15, 17 to 21, where, 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 where you see this, this love of Christ motivating Paul into, the, in, into the, the task of going on and on and on in his mission, mission work. Uh, Romans 15, 17 to 21, Paul writes, In Christ Jesus, I will not venture to speak of anything except what Jesus has accomplished. Isn't that amazing? What Jesus has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Jesus has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. Paul was motivated by the love of Jesus. Jesus' love transformed him at the very deepest level of his life. It made him want to be true to Christ. It made him want to, want to honor Christ with his time and his life and the things he was doing. It made him want to hear Jesus say, well done, Paul, well done, good and faithful servant. Paul was a faithful witness. And, and my prayer for, for me and for you this morning is that God would create this same genuine transformation in, in my life and in our lives. May, may God give us a sincere heart for the love of Christ. T today, the task is far from finished. Of the nearly 8 billion people in our world today, the vast majority still remain outside uh, the, yeah, the, the, the message of, of, of the gospel. I just think of one example. Um, I've been in Senegal two times now, uh, working with church planting students. And, and there are about 7 million Wolof people that live in, in between Senegal and just that region. 7 million. There's only 150 Christians. 150 believers among 7 million people. India tickets 1.5 billion people. My friend Isaac Shaw, pastor in, in uh, Delhi, India, director of Bible, the Delhi Bible Institute, tells us that, that there's one town, 
One town in 120 in the whole northern part of, 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 of India has even one believer. One town in 120. So, so what can you and I do in the face of such need? Well, we can be involved. We, we can pray. We can always pray. And I love the fact that you're praying for, for missionaries and the mission work. We pray. We can give. We can go. To finish the task, the, the, the key is not more brilliant strategies or funding programs, although God will certainly, certainly use those things. But the key is our own heart, our love for Christ, our transformation at that deepest level of our lives. So let's pray that the Holy Spirit will, will fill us with a deep and genuine and passionate love for Jesus to make him our priority. Because only when Jesus is that priority will we give the best of our time and our resources and ourselves to be his witnesses, to take his message to people who are without hope and without God in this world. And I want to finish this morning with one of the, the, the most amazing stories, I think, in, in the Old Testament about, the, about David, um, the life of David in the Old Testament, 2 Samuel 23. And let me just tell you the story. It says uh, that, that it tells about a time when the Philistines had taken control of David's hometown, Bethlehem. And David and his mighty men were at a distance, uh, some uh, miles away from there, in, in a cave called the Cave of, of, of Adullam. Uh, and it says that in 2 Samuel 23 that one day David was simply reminiscing and expressing the longing of his heart. He said, all that someone would get me a drink of water from the well near the gate of Bethlehem. That, now, David never imagined, I'm sure, in a million years, that, that his expressing the longing of his heart would result in three of his men doing what happened next. But verse 16 says that they, they, these guys went to Bethlehem, they broke through enemy lines, they drew water from the well of Bethlehem, and they returned to David. Now, just imagine the Philistine soldiers scratching their heads and three men appear over a wall slinging water pouches, fight their way to a well, draw water, and then, and then take off running. Dude, remember, these, these men did this at the cost of their lives, it says, at the, at the risk of their lives. So why did they do it? Why did they do it? What motivated them to risk so much for a glass of water? David never commanded them to go. It's clear they weren't trying to get something from David. There's just one reason. It's love. These brave men love their king. The desire of his heart was their desire. They wanted to fulfill the longing of their king. And, and it says that when they presented this water to David, he was so moved by their act of love. It says that he refused to drink it. Instead, he poured it out before the Lord saying, far be it from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Shall I drink the blood of these men who went at the risk of their lives? These men give, gave their best to please their king because they loved him. And this story obviously points forward to the son of David, Jesus, our king, our king and our Messiah, who came to give his life to save us from our sins. His heart, his priority, his passion is that the world would hear his message of salvation and be saved. So I started out asking you what, what we love the most. It has the greatest impact to, to change us at the deepest level. May God give us that, that kind of, of deep love and commitment, a genuine heart of love for Jesus. 
I, I want to encourage you to, to ask God to show you how he would have you apply this to your life. Ask him, ask him to help us to make Jesus the great focus, the great priority of our life, to be involved in what, what, he, what he's, he's doing. We can, we can pray. We can give. We can go. Missions is not just for other people. This is for you. And, and, and we can talk. We can talk to people about Jesus every day, wherever we are, we can talk. We live in a, in a broken world. I, I, I love what you presented this morning. People live in a broken world. People are in need of the, of the Savior's kindness in healing the broken wounds in Gates Mills and in Africa. May God give us a heart of love to honor Christ, boldness to fulfill his desire, confidence in God to make his great desire, his ambition, our, our desire of, of reaching the world. And it can be done in our generation. It can be done. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you saved us. Thank you that you called us to be your, your faithful witnesses. And I pray that you'd make us those faithful witnesses. Lord, give, give us a heart like Jesus, a heart that, that's, that's broken for the lost, a heart that, that, that cares, really cares, a heart that sees, really, really sees, and a heart that engages, that gets involved. Lord, use us, please, as instruments, as reliable and, and useful instruments in your hands to carry your good news so that the earth will be filled with your glory as the, as the water covers the sea. Lord, we ask this in the powerful name of Jesus. We ask you to date. Please, Lord. Amen.